0: What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just
1: don't know when to give up, do you?
0: I could do this all day.
1: The Matt Sodnikar Podcast.
0: This episode is supported by the Warm Front Chest Warmer. And you're asking yourself right now, what is a Warm Front? Well, it is a thermal fleece bib for cycling, running, skiing, and we've even had customers that are commuting with it, just wearing it because they uh, want to be warmer, wearing it to their construction jobs. It's been sold all over the world, Australia, the UK, Latvia, US and Canada, even Dubai. We have a customer in Dubai. It's a company I started a couple of years ago because I was sick and tired of being cold on the bike and not having enough stuff or carrying too much stuff and literally with the help of dozens and dozens of people helped get the company and the product to where it is right now. It is essentially the Goldilocks of outdoor apparel. Not too hot, not too cold. If you get cold, put it on. You get hot, take it off, roll it up, stuff it in your pocket. It rolls down to smaller than a pair of socks. It is made by hand here in Colorado by my friend and business partner, Linda, with a collaboration from Function Apparel and Polar Tech. I guarantee it personally 100%. If you don't like it, if it doesn't make your ride and your outdoor activities more comfortable, send it back, no questions asked. For more information and to get warmer and prevent purple nurple, go to thewarmfront.com. That is T H E W A R M F R O N T. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with my friend Ashley DePaulis. She's a sustainable health practitioner. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk to her was that on her website, she had written eat and train, not diet and exercise. And I loved that philosophy and I loved that approach. And Ashley, thanks for making the time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is cool. I haven't seen
0: you for a long time. I 10 know. Years maybe <laughs> we know each
1: other through the MS 150. So yeah, riding, <laughs> exactly.
0: A lot of good things come through the bike for sure. Yeah. yeah. So take me on your fitness journey, and but like expand that particular statement for me, because I think that's a really healthy approach to mm-hmm. uh, nutrition and being in shape, but without. Well, I'm not going to philosophize. It. It's
1: your <laughs> it's your phrase. You go ahead
0: and talk about it. All right.
1: Yeah, so the thing, a few different things. I grew up outdoors and having fun and playing. So that is always how I viewed fitness. Now I've always, so I've always been active. I've always taken interest in different sports, been open open to trying new things. And what I've seen in working with people is there's not that freedom sometimes which is why I use the phrase eat and train versus dieting and exercising. Because I think the restriction, the control comes around that diet and exercise mentality. Which lacks a lot of freedom. It really um, puts people in a box. They think what maybe they started doing many years ago um, is what they need to keep doing. Because it worked at one point. And so they get stuck there. <laughs> right over the long term so there's usually a lot of mindset and releasing old stories that uh, occurs when I work with clients so that they can move forward and really focus on what's going to work for me today um, and there's more fluidity in the eating and training because you know on when I'm on vacation I may eat differently than when I'm at home and you know and none of it's good bad right or wrong that's the other thing that keeps people stuck in the diet and exercise mentality of it's i'm i'm good today or i was bad yesterday so i have to be good today and it's just when i hear all of that i'm like uh like, it just <laughs> it hurts me from the inside out <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, and I saw a post on Reddit on either the fitness or get motivated, and it mm-hmm. was that the gym or, or working out should not be a punishment for mm-hmm. something that you've eaten, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're right, a pizza's not bad. Beer mm-hmm. isn't bad. It's mm-hmm. what you do with it in balance with everything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. What you're doing consistently matters. If you're always drinking beer and eating pizza, yeah, that that might not be good. That I'm gonna write be, that down. That might be bad. <laughs> that but, explains a lot of things. <laughs> but it is. It's like what you're consistently doing, and you. We all need to be able to enjoy our lives. Pizza is part of enjoying life. Beer is part of enjoying life. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't. Um, they're just really, I. I'm very careful with words that I use, which is why I try to stay out of that good, bad, right, wrong, um, diet, exercise, like that, because our body hears what we're saying.
0: It absolutely does.
1: And the narrative in our minds about our body, about how we're being healthy um is going to show up in the way that you look and the way that you feel and it's usually um it starts with how you feel first so
0: and i'll i will um i'll say my first word choice was clean up like i Mm -hmm. will modify the things that i'm eating particularly after say like uh, a long holiday weekend where Mm -hmm. it's been barbecues and it's been parties and an extra day off Mm -hmm. which will have been mixed with riding and running and Mm -hmm. and stretching and core Mm -hmm. but it's how i feel the next morning that Mm -hmm. if it's like oh those two beers turned into six or eight Mm -hmm. and i don't feel and i'll use the the descriptive word good Mm mm-hmm it's, it's a different feeling.
1: Mm-hmm. It is.
0: Than if I had gone to bed early and not had anything to drink, I could wake up and it's like, I feel much, much better.
1: Mm-hmm. So true. So true. And there's a place I could go with that. Um, go. Okay. <laughs> so when we knew each other, however long ago, when we met many years ago, um, I was, this kind of speaks to my journey. I was in a place of being fit and healthy but I would say more mentally less so for when I was younger and when you're younger you have more leverage in terms of going out and drinking and eating and I would go out and dance and drink and have fun which was fine and good and what I learned When I got older and went through, so I didn't know that I had PTSD for a long time. I'm just like jumping in here Um, because I was in a car accident at 19, blah, 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 blah. Um, So I found that the energy that I had, because PTSD is locked energy in your body. And so it's kind of like having a TV on with static in the mm. background all the time. So it's like this energy that needs to be released. And so I would do that through physical activity, but I would also do it through drinking because it would kind of like numbs down all of that. And that the food does the same thing for people. You know, people who um, emotionally eat. We all emotionally eat to some extent or another, but um, some people use food as their numbing agent. And so I found the more that I release the energy from my body through different healing techniques, then my urge to drink or say eat or overexercise was mm. not there. So it was actually because my nervous system was changed that I didn't have those same drivers, which is just in a health perspective, completely fascinating because there's other things driving our behaviors that we may not realize. Our beliefs are one of them, um, but then also how our nervous system is running.
0: I had interviewed um, a couple of vets uh, last year on PTSD and Mm -hmm. none of them had... Their uh, PTSD from the military is something that they had experienced when they were younger. And Mm. it had intensified based on their military experiences. Mm -hmm. But um, what was the the accident, if I could ask that question, what happened?
1: Yeah, so I was 19. I was hit by a drunk driver on the interstate. So it was a very high-speed accident. Um, I broke my back. And my ribs and my cheekbone and my ankle, I was all broken (laughs) at the time. And interestingly, uh, before that, so I was working out um, very regularly and I was told by my surgeon, he's like, you're likely not paralyzed because you were in such good shape. Wow. So um, I was fit going into that, which is pretty cool if you think about it, which is why I like the training mentality, like training for life versus, oh, I need to lose weight, which losing weight isn't bad, um, but it gives a bigger perspective or a bigger why of why you actually want to be fit and healthy because you never know what can happen. You never know what you're going to be called upon, and it's kind of like a warrior being ready for a fight, I guess.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: Um, so... I was fit going into that, and then I, interestingly, I only had a physical therapist when I was in the hospital, and when I got out of the hospital, I had to wear a brace for three months, and I would go to the gym and work out in that brace, and I was basically training myself, so I would just modify how I needed to, and that's like a big way that I rebuilt my body and myself after, and relied i say now looking back that i relied heavily upon fitness because i loved it and because i didn't know that i had ptsd so it was an outlet for me for sure
0: <clears throat> was that your first brush or exposure to mortality at that age mm.
1: so i actually was just talking about this yesterday not in terms of mortality It was, I would say, the beginning of an awakening, even though that didn't necessarily happen immediately. I mean, I was 19, so like the awareness of that, but I was speaking to this yesterday in terms of it was the first time I realized how strong my intuition Mm. is and how powerful it is. Um, And that's one thing that I teach my clients to connect with the intuitive part of their body and the wisdom of their body because our body is always communicating with us. Um, And I think a lot of people are cut off from that. There's a disconnection that happens when we're in the go, go, go um, mentality and life. That's just kind of where, especially for highly driven high achievers, they're just in that kind of adrenaline zone, and that disconnects us from the communication of our body. But for me, yes, that accident was a huge touchpoint of learning about my intuition and how powerful it is, and because going into it, I knew that I shouldn't have been in the car going in the direction that I was going, Mm. but... I also had opposing forces. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of people involved that it was like, no, you need to go. So, yeah.
0: So, did you? How did you discover the 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 official PTSD component of that? Uh, because I had never really heard the term until the past you know ten years after the first Gulf War. Right? Yeah. So, did you have like an intuition on those feelings, and then? Take me through that.
1: Awesome question. (laughs) And I totally agree with you that PTSD has been around or known because of veterans. Mm -hmm. And then as research has progressed, it's come out that we all experience trauma, big traumas, little traumas. The way that I found out is because I was in another accident. Oh, geez. In 2013. So I was driving home. Somebody blew through a stop sign. And it was a pretty big accident in the sense that I didn't break any bones or anything. But it was the first time I went through a healing process. That's when I learned because I actually had a family friend who is a psychologist that said that when you have an event that is similar to one in the past, it can awaken the trauma in your body. And so she suggested that I go see a trauma therapist. Mm. And so I was just open enough to be like, okay, I'll go try this out. Like I had no idea Um, what it felt like at the time in my body, because I think I noticed this, um, and I know it well now, is that it's like this nervous feeling or like, Just anxious if I'd be driving down the road and a car was coming out from the side, like my heart rate would just um, pick up really Mm. fast, which is not really normal. (laughs) um, It's your normal, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That doesn't happen so much now, but it was like they call it hypervigilant. So you're like always waiting for something to happen. You're always you're in that fear mode. So that's that's how I found out and then later found out even more. And this was last year that um, and people may have heard this in the sense that if somebody is a victim of violence, that they can have reoccurring events happen of the same thing. And that's because we have what's called an energetic boundary boundary and we can have when, when trauma happens, it opens the boundary and you have to close it. So it's been this process of like learning, I'm through all of that now, but it had been this process of learning like, oh, there's this other component or this other piece. And that's why accidents kept occurring. And it, it just got to this point where it was hilarious because I I have to share this. I was actually at my chiropractor um, and it's an energetic chiropractor. It's not like crack your body chiropractor. And um, this was after I was, this was after Christmas. I was driving through an intersection and a Lyft driver like drove into the front of my car. So it wasn't anything like crazy, but it was another like, why does this keep happening? And so then I will go to my chiropractor. I have a rental car that's parked on a street. A city bus drives past it and hits it. Like <laughs> come out. Like, that's how I'm like, this is ridiculous. So that's when I found out about energetic boundaries. I'm kind of taking you off track, but.
0: <laughs> no, I love it when this happens. Because- this is always such a pleasure for me when we never talk about what I think we're going to talk about. Yeah. So as yeah. much runway as you want. I'm. This is fascinating. So please keep going.
1: Yeah. So that's when I got hysterical and I learned and oddly, um, and I want to share this because I think it gives perspective on sometimes we feel things in our body and we don't know why and we just kind of accept that it's just like that because we're older or whatever reason that we want to give to it. But on my left side, my arm fairly often would feel like it wasn't attached to my body and it would get um, tingly. And when I would sleep, it would um, like I would feel that nerve pain or like it fell asleep. And so I had done some things for it, and it sort of worked. But when I found out about the energetic boundary, and it was on my left side that this boundary was open, my accidents kept happening on the left side. It was my arm that didn't feel attached on my left side. And so I did some work with one of my friends who is a physical therapist but also trained in trauma and some other work. And ever since I worked with her, my arm has not felt like it wasn't attached to my body. So it can be things that actually aren't – nothing ever happened to my arm. I didn't have, like, a physical injury to my arm ever. Um, So, And it wasn't – nothing immediate had happened when I was experiencing this. So it goes to show that the mind-body connection and the pattern in which injuries in the body – Um, the pattern in which our thoughts control our emotions and our emotions control our thoughts because it goes both ways, gets there's a a superhighway or a runway in there. And so it's sometimes that stuff that needs to be worked on versus I have to exercise better or in a different way or Oh, it's because I'm older. Like it's not usually that stuff. That stuff can be tweaked of course, but it's not, those aren't always the go-tos, but people go to that first because it's what they know.
0: Right. So I've got a couple of um, <laughs> questions and, and yeah. thank you for sharing all those stories. I, I yeah. had no idea. And that's, I appreciate you opening up like that. Yeah. Um, I had done sort of a a dive into fear and survival a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So as part of kind of a journey I was on, I found a couple of books that talked about survival and not like tinfoil hat survival mm-hmm. stuff, but like life and death situations. Yeah, and one book led to another, led to another, and there was and I'm. I'm going to have to look this book up because it's one of my favorites. But basically the guy talked about, he talked about intuition. Mm -hmm. And this author had studied people that were victims of violent crimes all Mm -hmm. across the spectrum. And he normalized for like age and location and all these other factors. And the one common thread that he found through all that was that people were like, something wasn't quite right. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had used either social pressures or societal things to sort of talk themselves out of what they were feeling. Mm. And um, God, he was called like the gut instinct or something, but he's like, trust your gut. Mm -hmm. You may not know what you're feeling or Mm -hmm. why you're feeling it, but Mm -hmm. you you talked about awareness and Mm -hmm. like that was the key. And so that that helped sort of slow me down a little bit to Mm -hmm. look at things and sort of going... Don't understand this, but I have to pay attention to
1: it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's how it comes through. It doesn't come through in this logical, like we always want to figure everything out and intellectualize it. And especially (laughs) if you're a high achiever, like that is the thing that we like to do. (laughs) And it comes through as this like little nudge. And then again and again, and it's like you have to keep following it to see what it exposes, and the more you follow it, the quicker it exposes itself, like of making sense.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So going back to the the first accident, you had mentioned that there was a, a series of events and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Could I ask what those were that, you, as you look back on, yeah. it, what was what happened there?
1: So the reason that I would say I became disconnected like i learned about my intuition at the same at in one respect but then was afraid of it Hmm. because it was a situation so since i was 19 my parents were involved in the part of the accident that was like no this is what you chose which i didn't completely choose it but i'll say i chose it (laughs) to be in an empowered place um today but it was a situation of I had a boyfriend he my parents had moved to North Carolina I got into school in North Carolina so that's what I was gonna do and he was gonna go back to Texas my dad myself and my boyfriend were in the car taking him to the airport I lived in Texas before this that's the Texas thing And so I had expressed, so this is part of, like, expressing your emotions (laughs) that got shut down for a while. Um, I had expressed that maybe I don't want to live here because it was this whole, it was this situation of, I was at an age of, like, figuring Mm. out, like, you're figuring out who you are, but you're still young enough to where you don't know. And so... My dad, he reacted, and he was like, well, if you don't want to be here, we'll turn around the car, and we'll go back home, and you you can go to Texas. So it was something that happened in this, like, snap, quick minute, and so he took, turned around the car, he packed my car with my stuff, and my dog, and my boyfriend, and then we drove to Atlanta like I don't even remember a lot of conversation about this this was just like and I remember getting to Atlanta and I was like I know this is not right I want to come home and he's like no you can't come home so then we kept going and the night before the accident we had gotten to Louisiana the next day or that next night and I called my mom and I was like, can you please fly out here and drive back with me? I know this is not right. And she said she would. So that made me feel a little better. And we got up the next morning. We were on the road for 15 minutes and we were hit by a drunk driver.
0: What time of day was that?
1: It was 6.15 in the morning. And so, and
0: where was this again? Where was the accident? Was
1: in a place called Monroe, Louisiana. So super small town outside of Shreveport, somewhere I can't remember. I've heard
0: of it for some it reason.
1: It is known for being the town with the largest ball of twine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's I never not saw why that why I twine. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that existed.
0: Maybe that. <laughs> Um, well, I was hoping there was a hot sauce that was down there. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Hey, <Yeah>, sorry. <laughs> it's okay.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it was. It was a moment of like you're expressing yourself and your emotions, and you get shut down for it. Or this is how I like am able to look back on it now and see times in which I was too afraid to express and relate it back to that situation since it was such a big traumatic thing. And it was like, where all these things happened at once on top of each other. Um, so yeah. And so it was like, I knew my intuition and then I was afraid of it. Like, I'm not quite sure, but now I know like freaking listen to that.
0: (laughs) So when you were afraid of your intuition, was it the, um, You didn't want to go to Texas and there was the traumatic event. And then what was the, when you say you're afraid of your intuition. So I would say afterwards, the trust,
1: I guess it's the trusting. I should say maybe not afraid, but it's the trusting of the intuition because I had learned about it then. So I I wasn't necessarily afraid of it because I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew Mm. that I didn't need to be going. I didn't call it my intuition or anything like that. But now looking back, I know it was my first big (laughs) experience with it. And I think for larger happenings in life past that point, I know there have been times within myself where I felt like, I don't know if I can trust this. And so I, I will always listen to it. Because I didn't in that situation. Not that I didn't. I was listening, but there was all these external forces as well. Um, but there, there was, there has always been this level of, do I trust this? Mm. Do I not trust this? So I think that's where I, where the afraid part. It's like getting to know it in a safe space (laughs) because it is it's part of you and it's not logical and so and now I'm at a place of talking about it because I help others with it and I think it took me a long time to get to that place because it's like who am I to help people with
0: that (laughs) well if nothing else if you help them feel that they're not alone Mm -hmm. you're doing a great service to them yeah um yeah, and you mentioned it before. Like, I think people want to have definition and clarity mm-hmm. and maybe not boundaries, but maybe a path, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if I've learned nothing from my time on Earth, it's mm-hmm. that mm, things are pretty uncertain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. you don't have to live in... I. I And I, I've worked very, very hard to get to this point mm-hmm. of not feeling like everything's random, nothing matters. It's Mm -hmm. that generally things are going to be pretty good. There's going to be adverse events that Mm -hmm. could be catastrophic or feel catastrophic. And it's like, all right, let's just deal with it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think humans crave a level of certainty that'll never be there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you can, so this makes me think of um, something Eckhart Tolle said that nothing is certain but if you can find it's these three things you have to find within something either acceptance Mm -hmm. of it enthusiasm or enjoyment or you're going to experience some level of suffering if you can't find one of those three within anything because we're meant to we're meant to experience challenges we didn't come here to not have challenges. That's the whole part of like evolving your soul or evolving the human species, the consciousness. Um, so that's part of it. We signed up for it. Right. sometimes I wonder why I got in specific lines (laughs) like I picture it like they're calling things out (laughs) now I'm talking like way up here but they're like calling things out and I'm like sort of listening I'm like yeah let's get in the accident line that sounds awesome (laughs) but anyway well you talk about
0: the the challenges and I had my mom had died from cancer when I was 20 Mm -hmm. and I thought that I had a free ticket. Like that was going to be the only challenge I was going to have to overcome. Like I was good. Like I'd been through that. Mm -hmm. And I think in a way I felt, I would say it was a sense of entitlement Mm -hmm. from perhaps the universe or, and which of course spilled over into a lot of other facets of my life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was that, you know, challenge being visited Upon you when you don't really mm-hmm. want it. hmm Yeah.
1: I have completely had those thoughts too. Like, it's happened. <laughs> Nothing else can happen to me now. But, um, yeah, we're not exempt. I think... So there's... Since we mentioned the universe, when you go through something very challenging and you're holding that fear um, and you hold it for a really long time, it's a vibration that you emit and that can draw more things that are alike to it. So you may experience more challenges than you may want to. Whereas when you're not emitting that vibration, um, then you won't bring to you or magnetize those things that are worse it's not to say you won't have challenges but you know sometimes they can pile up and keep piling up when you're sitting in that lower frequency so to speak
0: from a scientific perspective, that makes total sense, yes. right? Because we're essentially just a pile of atoms that yeah. is kind of in a glorified functional package. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't um, you know the, the difference between two molecules just in, in space in a vacuum mm-hmm. operate any differently as they're assembled into a human being? So mm-hmm. we talk about magnetization and things mm-hmm. like that. Makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. right? And I. I see that I'm thinking of two people right now that have Mm -hmm. (laughs) negatively charged ions. Mm -hmm. And I think they expect everything to go bad. Mm -hmm. And I tend to think everything... And again, I'm not saying this flippantly or easily. This took a lot of work to get to this point. Mm -hmm. But I look at things that they're either going to be neutral or positive.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I've been in that mindset where everything is negative. Like Mm -hmm. I can't even... Mm -hmm. On the most beautiful bluebird Colorado day, I could not get into that positive headspace. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I don't, I don't say that judgingly towards them, mm-hmm. but it's like I see the spiral that they're going down, and mm-hmm. I see the spiral that I'm going up. And it's like you just gotta like just, and maybe yeah, maybe remagnetize is the yeah. the title of your book. <laughs> <laughs> ah. but, I, but I love that idea because it, it's yeah. really like. The law of attraction, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I, um, I heard this quote the other day. It wasn't really a quote. Somebody said it. Uh, I don't even know who, remember who, because I listened to so many different people. But it was, your thoughts are electric. Your heart is magnetic. Mm. So if you think about the heart, and we're talking about frequency, That's where we emit, I keep on saying admit, (laughs) most of our frequency from um, because it's our biggest electromagnetic field. And so when our heart is very closed, which when you're in a fear space, you're not going to have an open heart. You're going to be more restricted. Even sitting for a long period of time um, and looking at your iPhone hunched over, that's going to change your physiology. That's going to make you more constricted. Um, you're not emitting bigger frequency from your heart and your chest because you're, you know, concave. So if you think about ways in which you can open your heart more, which is probably – it's the biggest work of all of us, that that love and loving um, others for being different, loving others through hard times, all of it is – the the thing that will bring more of what you're actually looking for to you it'll make it'll help it show up in your field since we're speaking science (laughs) and all of this is like the cool thing about it
0: but i completely agree you're absolutely right i'm coming at it from more of a like empirical sense of Mm -hmm. just noticing behaviors and the science behind it makes absolute sense Mm and i think it bears repeating it's like you you're gonna attract what you attract,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which th- it that's hard. Sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around, especially when you're in a not so great space. Um, and it's also a really cool opportunity to be like, okay, how can I play with this? Even though it can be scary because you're like, what am I really doing? Because <laughs> you you're not actually you're doing something by opening up. But there's not like a tangible doing like mm-hmm. we're used to, right? So. <laughs> Which I think makes people feel unsteady sometimes. Right, right.
0: So let's go back to the um, closing the electric. Um, is it? Did you say portal or field? When after the bus tried to mow you down?
1: Oh, well, thank God I wasn't in the car. Um, it was a, just a parked car, but um it's uh energetic boundary
0: energetic boundary okay Mm -hmm. so the bus how bad was the car when the bus got a hold of it that's what i want to know too. so
1: it was just the side like it ripped off the front of the car and like (laughs) the side of the car was all like i didn't have a mirror and this was a rental car so that was interesting (laughs)
0: take it back to Hertz and go "Um, it was like this when I got it and then the front is in the trunk
1: like my secret I would never want this to be my life but I know way too much about insurance like car insurance and (laughs) gosh Um, but yes energetic boundary is it's If you think of our electromagnet, I'm trying to think of an easy way to explain this, your electromagnetic field, and when it is intact, then things can't come in as easily. And so when you have a trauma, um, it breaks that barrier, that boundary, so you have to put it intact again.
0: And so how did you do that? Can you take me through that process?
1: I did that through, um, I worked with my friend and a colleague of mine named Renee Ostertag. She owns a business called Green Tree Mind. So she works with the neural pathways between the mind and the body. And so, and she works in a very, yes, science and yes, um, exploring with people social ask questions and like where you feel things in your body and how you can release that and um and not even always doing a physical motion even though we did a little bit of that it was as easy as tying an emotion to a story and visualizing like she'd have me close my eyes and explain what I see Um, it's also through creating safety so a lot of times that energetic boundary is where we're not feeling safe in our body so this is like a whole other thing is coming in right now of a lot of people don't feel safe in their body a lot of people Hmm. aren't actually embodying their body because of places that they're not safe so they're not in full expression of themselves So that's actually why a lot of this work is important. Exercise, yes, because exercise helps you get in your body, but then can you stay there? Or are you always, like, going somewhere else, dissociating? And we all do it at different intervals, but um, she had me tell her, like, what I was seeing and um, then creating safety. She did an exercise where she walked around me and... Um, asked if I felt safe with her and I knew on the left side I did not feel safe with her I feel really safe with people on my right side Hmm. I've shifted that now like I would always have my boyfriend walk on one side of me now I can like handle it if we're moving around but it's just like a like your body just feels it it's like "Mm, that doesn't feel right you have to move over here So I think it started out by at least speaking my needs to other people, because I think at first I didn't understand it, Um, then being able to voice it, and then actually putting that boundary intact again. And so now I can play with it a little more. So I don't, don't know if that totally answers because it was like a lot of different things and they're not easily explained things. Sure. <laughs> I yeah, did see Superwoman. Like <laughs> she was hanging out in my hamstrings. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. It's like crazy. Some of the stuff that comes up. And it's all buried in our subconscious. And our subconscious is where 95% of our behaviors come from. So it's on like this automatic yeah. reel. Yeah. So. The,
0: the, the, Somebody pushes play, and that particular mm-hmm. tape yeah. just plays.
1: And so when we go in with some of these different modalities and just allow ourselves to play with it, um, that's when we can get into our subconscious and release it from our body. And there's so many ways to do that. So
0: Yeah. And how long was that process from the time that you met uh, Renee till, I guess... Maybe you started seeing or feeling some progress.
1: Well, interestingly, so I have been doing work, like energetic work or healing work, releasing PTSD since 2013. Mm. So I actually didn't do this work with Renee. I've known her for a long time, though. Um, This particular work with her, and we only did three sessions, so... Because I have actually done so much work, I can move through things a lot faster than someone who's maybe never done it before. So with her, I think we did three or four sessions. Hmm. So actually, that piece didn't take a very long time. Um, And we discovered that that's likely what was going on when she had told me a story about one of her clients who had this experience um, because we're even practitioners of this are still learning about it Um, so she had told the story of her client that was having pain it was like headache pain on one side and couldn't figure out why it would only come up at certain points and then she remembered through going through this process um, that her mom would hit her with a brush on that side of her head when she was younger. So we like don't remember these things, but our body remembers them. Mm-hmm. So we might repress the emotion of it because it was so terrible, but our body doesn't.
0: And that's what the brain is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Traumatic events. So we can mm-hmm. get up the next day yeah, or, or try to get up the next day because mm-hmm. we'll eventually forget all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. if we had constant like In the moment, fresh reminders of any trauma, big or small, Mm -hmm. we would all just shut down.
1: Yeah. And that's what we do anyway, but we don't realize that we do it. Yeah. (laughs) It shuts down parts of you, for sure.
0: Right. Yeah, I think the hardware and the software in the human body is probably a couple revisions behind. Like, mm-hmm. it's not exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> synced up. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, it, it's interesting. It actually does take your body time to catch up with some of um, the changes. So, And what I mean by that is more recently news has come out about how our Earth is speeding up. And there's more light coming in. So that light comes into our body. And it actually takes your body time to catch up to all that light that's coming in. So people might experience, like, all these fears coming up. And they might be like, oh, I thought I worked through this. Why is this happening? And it's actually being purged from your energetic field. Um, So it does take the body time as it's changing, as it's evolving, Um, on your individual level and then on the collective consciousness level that it's not there and so that's where exercise and actually taking care of yourself can actually help you move through this stuff a lot more quickly so that you if you're somebody who wants to be like the highest version of yourself you want to tap into your potential all of that stuff which I think a lot of athletes want to do, they might just be focused in a particular area. Then the stuff is actually super important.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm thankful that you found something that works. And when Mm -hmm. I talk to people that are struggling, I tell them, go get help,
1: Mm -hmm. whatever
0: it is. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in talk therapy and I've got a continual uh, audio library of, Uh, professional or personal development stuff Mm -hmm. but that's been instrumental to me and Mm -hmm. this is fascinating and the fact that you had the awareness and the courage to seek it out Mm -hmm. and and be open minded because like it's made i said this before it's making sense to me on a scientific level but Mm -hmm. i could see like if you're looking at that brochure about you know the energetic boundaries and this is like Mm -hmm. what yeah (laughs) But you gave it a shot and Mm -hmm. it sounded like it made a huge breakthrough for you. And that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And that's all every... Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're listening, go get therapy. You need it, whether (laughs) you know it or not. Go get some help.
1: (laughs) Energetic stuff is really huge too.
0: I should look into that for sure.
1: Yeah. It's fun. And you... I have nothing against talk therapy. I've done it. And when it's things that need to be released from your body it has to be through an energetic portal field whatever we want to call Mm -hmm. it um it's not something we always have to understand or talk about so and it can work quickly um as long as you are open to the process and trust the process um i think it's very powerful and keep eating well and keep training (laughs) Yeah, and be open, you know, as you, um, I'm just tying this in here for whatever reason, as you evolve and as you go through different seasons of life, your body is going to want you to move and eat in different ways. So be open to those different ways even if you a certain way worked for you before if that's not what is happening now it's not real for you now don't try to force it i think that's where i see people get caught up and then potentially be hard on the, hard on themselves um, because they're like i don't know what to do and i'm doing this wrong and and that doesn't help your process <laughs>
0: Well, and going back to that point, like he mm-hmm. I think about it like a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it works in France and mm-hmm. you're exposed to just pick a foreign language you've never heard before. It doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. It's a format you don't understand, and it's of course it's gonna be uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. if you just explore it and keep digging and trying, and whether it's the exercise or the diet or the energetic boundaries, mm-hmm. you need to be you have, have to have that open mind mm-hmm. for anything to have an impact on your existence.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to make this or to help it be more concrete for people, something we were talking about before we hopped on to record was a particular client that I'm working with right now who mm-hmm. is a competitive athlete. She has been her whole life. She's 65, which that is just kick-ass, and she was having the experience of, so she's on a team, so not individual sport, um, and they win all these awards, and they race back-to-back. It's rowing. And she would do well through that, but then would completely crash after and a lot of the work that I'm doing with her, yes, there is some diet mentality that needs to be released from um, her belief system to help, but it's a- actually her eating and training is fine. There's actually not a lot of tweaks that have, have to happen there. It's in her energy. She's dispersing her energy all over in so many ways um and that what i mean by that is she's trying to run around and do everything Mm. you know and women especially do that they want to you know be able to help everyone they say yes to everything i think it's also a high achiever thing so it's not just women um but it, it is a big boundary piece and it is a big energy piece and sometimes i also find where people They may have been giving their energy to one thing, a cause. It could be anything for a particular amount of time. And they're ready. I actually experienced this recently where I was teaching fitness classes. I'll make it super concrete now because I just remembered this. I was teaching fitness classes. I was ready to give that aspect up so I could step more into teaching um, and coaching others and so I had a really hard time because my identity was really connected into – because I enjoyed it. I didn't, It's not that I wasn't enjoying it anymore. It was just – but I was also not enjoying it on a certain level because I knew something else was calling me. So it was hard to like – it's like, okay, I'm giving this up, but before I really know what's over here. And a lot of people get caught between that. And so – it's it's sometimes we, we always have, it's not sometimes we always have to let go of something before we can step into what's next. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the air, but for a couple of years I was a spin instructor Mm -hmm. and I taught at a women's only gym. And one of the things that I, well, one of the things I'm proud of, of course I was married at the time, but I never had like the, the, um, stereotype of like dating anybody i Mm -hmm. mean like there's number 97 on the list (laughs) starting with being married but being professional but not falling like to the bare minimum of being that guy Mm -hmm. right but one of the things i would plead coach suggest with these women athletes in the spin Mm -hmm. class that were all ages all shapes was like don't Focus on what you look like mm-hmm. or the numbers. Look at what mm-hmm. you can do. Mm-hmm. And if you ride your bike up Mount Evans mm-hmm. or you finish a marathon or a 5K or a 10K, like that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And the the comparison of people that don't do any of those things is a much bigger ratio. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, okay, my waist is like a, a 36 as mm-hmm. opposed to somebody else's and I just kept going look at what you can do Mm -hmm. not what you look like or not Mm -hmm. what anybody else says Mm -hmm. and and we were also talking about this question before we started recording how tough is that with your female athletes to Mm -hmm. sort of correct or compensate for like the um, the media pressures of being a woman
1: Mm -hmm. I think Media is something I touch on in my program. With athletes, I think it's usually their team, if they're playing on a team sport and not being the weakest link or not letting their team down. There is an aspect of that. And, yes, women in general have the, from media, like I have to look a certain way, um, And compensating for that, I think what I see people in general do to compensate for any beauty standards is it goes back to that judgment, punishment, restriction, and control. (laughs) And so sometimes when I see somebody who's really fit, like super, super fit, I'm like, wow, what's going on under that? Because it, it tells a completely, yeah, you may be fit, but are you really healthy? Are you really treating yourself well? Um, because I think there's this, just this form of punishment that goes on, this form of like being so critical of self that happens Um, and then on the flip side for people who don't take care of themselves, it's the same thing. One person can just look really fit and they can have the same internal world. It's just showing up differently. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of went somewhere, but
0: (laughs) no, I think it's, it's, it's comparison, Mm -hmm. right? And and I've always said nothing will survive comparison, Mm -hmm. right? No matter what it is, whether it's your, bottle of water or a vacation or going out to dinner if you take that and don't look at it um, in isolation if mm-hmm. you start comparing it to anything nothing's going to hold up mm-hmm. right there's always somebody smarter faster taller stronger mm-hmm. skinnier healthy it's just mm-hmm. like yeah and I've said this before too. Social media is everybody's highlight reel yeah. while we're living our behind the yeah. scenes rehearsals. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's why, that's why the internal, like the internal work is so, cause as you were saying that I was thinking of everything's a neutral energy because you said that earlier, like you just, it's either neutral or you try to steer it towards the positive versus the negative. Cause you know what that world is like. Um, And it's creating that kind of neutrality in the energy of your body so that you're not constantly – now, of course, we're human. We're going to compare. We're going to have moments of judgment. But are you staying there? It, like, goes back to the consistency with um, eating and training or whatever. We were talking about at the beginning with pizza. But are you consistently staying in that space or are you in a space where – where the ripples of the ocean are not you know stirring you up every time
0: (laughs) yeah I had a moment like that this morning because I -hmm. I weighed myself after not a decadent weekend but I've been doing a lot of home improvement and working and writing and have let the um, the treats flow a Mm -hmm. little bit I'll just say it that way Mm -hmm. you know a couple beers and you know, get hungry, I'll order some Jimmy John's and all this. I stepped on the scale this morning and I hadn't gained, I think I gained like a pound and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that can't be right. Because <laughs> I was like, I ate that, I drank that, I ate that, that. It was like, and it just didn't make sense. And so I even took the the kettlebell that I have and put it on to calibrate the scale. I'm like, well, that's just 25 pounds. So I guess it's, it's working right. But it was just that. A little bit of that same emotion where mm-hmm. I've been not bad. I've just been lax mm-hmm. and a little bit decadent. And I was like, oh, I thought I'd pay a higher penalty for that.
1: Do you have to ask this? Is there an aspect, the reason that you're doing that is that you don't trust something. Don't trust yourself in that if you are decadent that you can't get to the place that you want to go with your body or with your training or whatever.
0: I wouldn't say it's trust. I would say it's a, a mastery of a skill. Mm. And I did dry January just somehow by random. I came mm. off new year's day and I was like, and I didn't get drunk on new year's, but I had through the holidays and I was mm-hmm. like, I just don't want anything sweet I don't want any alcohol anything like that so I made it like four or five days and I saw a dry January mm-hmm. and I did it because and you had mentioned high achievers mm-hmm. the one discipline I need to improve is the denial discipline mm-hmm. because like I could I could go do 50 push-ups I could ramp up to mm-hmm. 50 push-ups mm-hmm. But not having a beer is not having a beer and not having a beer and not having a beer. It's like the mm-hmm. continual not doing something. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, you tell me to go do a workout, I'm gonna go get it done. Mm-hmm. Go read a book, whatever. But it's the, the, the strength of my denial discipline that um, it's like, oh, I need to, work on that and Mm -hmm. it's just that constant reminder and that dry January really helped because I would decide on the way to and I still went out to bars and breweries and Mm -hmm. parties and I just decided on the way I was like I'm having water Mm -hmm. I'm having club soda or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and I've kind of lost that habit a little bit where it's Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna just decide not to eat this or decide not to eat that Mm -hmm. but then I also went through and had a very rigorous goal setting session mm-hmm. a couple months ago, and it's like, but tied a why to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to eat these things because I feel worse in the morning. Mm-hmm. Not to punish myself, but it's like, I want to roll out of bed and be ready to go. Mm-hmm. It affects my outlook, my relationships, and mm-hmm. that's that's what I did.
1: Mm-hmm. The thing that was coming up when you were sharing that not that this is I'm not trying to be like coachy or anything. Please. I need um, all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. <laughs> is that when you say denial discipline, that sounds so I mean it doesn't sound fun. Does it sound fun to you? <laughs> denial discipline. <laughs> it's like two dd words that I don't know. <laughs> I know. Um because it makes me think you're trying to find a sustainable approach. Right. To what you, your goals, these rigorous right. goals that you came up with. Um, so I love that you said that you choose before you go, mm-hmm. because I think that's huge. Because then you're, um, when you decide and declare something, it makes it a lot easier to follow through on than if you're just like, oh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think there needs to be, and this is for all people, not just speaking to your example, there needs to be a marriage between the, I decide and declare and choose, because that's very empowering, versus I'm going to deny myself, or I'm going to, because that just, the energy of that is just, blow. When it I is negative, it. for sure, yeah. <laughs> it's just like not very – I don't feel empowered. I don't feel motivated by it or inspired by it. It's like, oh, I have to do this thing. And it just doesn't feel good. <laughs> so the more – it's like going back to that feel-good energy, how can we turn this into like something that actually feels good? Because when you – because you feel it in your body. Like I chose this. Like that feels good or versus I'm denying myself. Like I'm – that is, it's like, I went from this to this. <laughs> Open to close. <laughs> yeah.
0: And thank you for the, the, the coaching. And as you were talking about that, I started picking out key moments like that in mm-hmm. January. I'd go, go out to dinner and my bill would be $11. Mm-hmm. I'd go to the Rio and I would have chips and salsa and a couple of tacos and this. Mm-hmm. And I'd get my bill. And because I didn't have, which I know I would have had three margaritas and maybe Mm -hmm. a beer on top of that. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm saving so much money. Yeah. And that's my relentless optimism training. I would find what you were talking about out Mm -hmm. of that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I I rolled over and it's like, oh, I can get into these pants now. Like (laughs) I would find the positive in Mm -hmm. it. But you're right. And even in the, the denial phase, I would ask myself, "Why am I doing this?" Mm-hmm. Because I have to think that way. I have to think in the positive. Mm-hmm. But thank you for the the coaching. I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's just what came up when you were talking about it, for sure. And I mean, anytime because I can relate to how it feels when you say that, or when anyone says it. And so I think the more we can get into that place of I'm choosing this and knowing why you're choosing it because we can choose the pizza. Are we choosing it because we're emotionally lacking in some way and we have a need that needs to be met and we're just choosing food to make up for that need that needs to be met or wants to be met? or am i choosing it because i want to eat pizza and i freaking love pizza those are two different <laughs> yes. those are two different things so in getting people to recognize that i think it makes it more of a empowered choice and understanding self on a level that you you're not just unconsciously going through the motions of life and like, why can't I, why can't I just eat better? Like that's. <laughs> Cause you're not making those decisions. <laughs>
0: this has been really, really cool. Yeah. Such a cool surprise to just.
1: It went everywhere. <laughs> but
0: that's what I love. Seriously. That's what I really, really enjoy. And so thank you for making the time. And yeah. um, where can people find you? I'll, post links to all this but where can people find you on the the interwebs
1: yeah so I'm on Instagram at the.inner.athlete which is a part of your higher self I didn't talk anything about that but we talked around it Um, and it's your most energetic alive and strong self from the inside out and you can also find me on Facebook Under my name, Ashley DePaulis. And then my website is theinnerathlete.co. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I love it. We'll have to do a part two and actually get into into training and and everything else. I know, right? The inner athlete. I'd love to talk about that. So this has been just very, very cool. Thanks, Ashley.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.